This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. You found Welcome the to the Mess It Up Podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. We just, just kidding. That was the funniest thing just you've done kidding. all day long. Wow. That was pretty good. So... What? I was going to say, you found the Mess It Up podcast, um, but uh, we both decided to talk at the same time. That was Christina's way of showing me who's really in charge. That's right. Yeah, she was flexing her little muscle there and uh, making it go big. Uh, so anyhow, uh, this is the Mess It Up podcast. We did mess it up just a little bit. Now we're going to take that mess, turn it into a message to say that it doesn't matter who's talking because Jesus is always listening. Boom. You're so proud of yourself Push right now. <laughs> I am. I love how I can do that. That's God thing right there. God allows me to just take words and twist them into his meanings. But uh, this is the Mess It Up podcast. I am the bow tie guy. And I am the biker chick. And we are here to hopefully brighten your day just a little bit and uh, let you uh, have some fun. I just realized something. What? Today, as we're recording this, is the 22nd. Uh-huh. That means we got... October, November, January, October, November, December, January, February, five months till my birthday. Uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, I was asked today to do something on the podcast and I don't typically get asked to do stuff on the podcast. So I thought, you know what, I'll take this request and I just like everybody who's uh, listening to the podcast right now, I want you to um, push pause in just a moment when I say go, because if you push it now, you won't know why. Uh, but uh, I, a gentleman at the prison asked me to pray for his wife. Um, they're having some issues. She just relapsed, and that means that they lost their son to foster care. And um, so her name is Christine with a K. Uh, so if uh, you guys could just pray for Christine to... Um, uh, she knows Jesus, but right now she knows drugs better. Um, so we just want her to get her head screwed back on straight and uh, get that son back into a, a healthy living environment. So appreciate that. Um, once you're done, you can go ahead and join us again. And uh, I don't know when you're pushing start and stop, so it doesn't really matter. Here we go. Today's word of the week is kind of a fun one. Are you ready for it? Totally. All right. It is detritus. Yeah. Any idea what detritus is? No. It's like I made some soup detritus now. No, it's it's like uh, <laughs> I do crack myself. He does funniest person in his own head. Oh my gosh, it's it's like loose material uh, that that comes out um, like rocks and and that kind of stuff. Um, like words out of your mouth. Like words out of my mouth. Loose material. Yes. Um, miscellaneous remnants or also a product of disintegration, destruction, or wearing away, which is what my recovery is. It's a product of my wearing away and getting it down to that nice little diamond inside that God had there. So uh, it all comes around. She's not buying it. <laughs> Not. She, she just I'm not. Like, I should have quit when I was ahead on the uh, both of us talking thing. Probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyhow, that's the word of the week. Um, want to let people know uh, some of the stuff up front because I realize at the end of the podcast, a lot of times people push uh, fast forward and, and go to the next show or whatever. A couple things to know. First of all, this is show number 76. And um, that means that there's 75 shows 
in our back catalog. And you can get to those shows by uh, going to iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. You'll be able to find the rest of our catalog of of podcasts. So please go back and check those out um, and give them a listen. Uh, I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy those. If you're enjoying this one, you should enjoy the rest of those as well. Uh, you can also go to our website, messituppodcast.com, and that'll take you to the most recent podcast, and then that'll get you steered into the, um, the direction you might need to go. While you're on the Mess It Up Podcast uh, website, there's a little button on the left-hand side that says, um, become a sponsor. And we would love to have you sponsor our show. Um, We do this uh, for free, but it costs money to do it. So uh, we would love it if you guys could help us out financially. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of the show. And uh, the details are there on patreon.com slash mess it up. Or you can go to messituppodcast.com and push the uh, Patreon button. We're also on most of the social media sites that people use. The Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter Reddit, uh, so check those things out. If you want some fun, and who doesn't want fun? Raise your hand right now if you want fun. Christina started to raise her hand. She doesn't want fun. I'm going to tell her about the fun. I'll let her have the fun later. If you go to the Instagram account for my CR, CR at RCA Church Instagram account, you'll get to see me dancing to Mercy Me's Happy Dance uh, last Friday night. It was pretty EPIC. So I recommend it. Check it out. Share it with your friends. If you enjoy stupidity, this is what it looks like. So uh, I guess that's most of the bookkeeping that I have for the uh, the thing. It's just, no, no. Let me. Christina's looking, and now now we're doing bad radio. Um, that one right there. Yeah, there he is. She's looking at it. Of course, I had to watch it. I wasn't there. How you feeling? Is it good? Look at me. I'm kind of moonwalking there. You're fantastic, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it's outstanding. That's awesome. Oh, I just love it. Uh, anyhow, uh, that's most of the bookkeeping that we have. So now, on with the show. Yeah? Yeah. All right, cool. So, um, something happened on Friday. You want to tell the people? Tell them what didn't happen on Friday. What happened on Friday? It has a number in it. It does. It's not a one. It's not a two. It's not a three. It's not a four. It's not a five. It's not a six. It's not an eight. It's not a nine. It's not a ten. What Paul's alluding to is that it was my seven-year sobriety birthday. Happy birthday to her. Can I just be snotty for a minute? Yeah. My ministry leader did not have my seven-year chip. Oh, yeah. Regardless of how many times I've said my seven years is coming up, yeah, my seven years is coming up. Yeah. You know, my seven years is coming up next month. You know, next week is my seven years. Yeah, that guy's forgetful. Yeah, he did send you a text though. He did. <laughs> he did. So seven years is no small thing. I mean, that's a a big thing. It's also a, a thing that seven to fifteen years is when they say it's uh, most common for relapses. That doesn't uh, surprise me. So um, I wanted to just spend some time talking about how you got here and what uh, what is next. So now I understand why Paul wouldn't tell me what we were talking about before the show. Ta-da! Ta-da! Yeah. Talking about me and my favorite subject. Not really. Yes, recovery. 
recovery is my favorite subject. Me is not my favorite subject. So, so what, what was it that brought you, and, and a lot of our listeners have heard your testimony, but a lot of them mm -hmm. haven't. What was it that brought you to the realization that you needed to, to change and, and to, to get sober? Um, cliche answer. It was God. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're not drinking to have fun anymore. You're drinking to drink because that's what you do. And my life had just kind of gone downhill. There was a lot of desperation and day-to-day -day survival. I think, you know, I was drinking at lunch. I was drinking at at work, I was drinking all day long. And would you classify yourself at that point as a functional alcoholic or was it spinning Good out of God. control? No, I was spinning out of control by that time. There was many years where I was a functioning alcoholic. I wouldn't drink at work. I'd go to work. I'd, you know, maybe go out and have a couple drinks after work or, you know, I didn't drink at home a lot. I definitely like the, um, social aspect of drinking. Okay. Um, but yeah, at the end, no, I was just a full blown drunk. And was there something that made you just like realize, man, this is problematic. I mean, this, ha I mean, was there, was there a thing or was it just uh, over time you just <laughs> there, realized there were so many things, you know, they, I passed out in a alley behind a trash can. I got in a fist fight with my soon to be ex-husband in front of the bar that I was working at and dating the owner at, um, you know, I'd fallen off the bar stool. I'd thrown Coke in a bartender's face. I mean, there's just so many things that, um, you know, I peed my pants and passed out in the, the garage for my kids to find me under mm -hmm. a blanket. Yeah. You know, they called the cops cause they weren't sure who it was. And I mean, there's a lot of just really bad, bad moments yeah. that all just kind of added up and a lot of, you know, I was just trying to survive, mm -hmm. just, just trying to get by, not knowing what to do emotionally, not knowing what to do, you know, to, to parent my kids. I couldn't handle my own emotions, much less the, the emotions of my children or, you know, anything else. So, um, I, I definitely just got to a point where life sucked. Yeah. And was this your first try at sobriety? I, uh, Long-term sobriety, yeah. I mean, when I got arrested for domestic violence against my husband, my ex-husband now, um, I quit drinking for, I think, 60 days because I was trying to save my marriage. And he was like, no, you're fine. You know, just, just come back. You know, just don't worry about not drinking. Like, just drink beer. You know, don't drink hard liquor. Uh He's an alcoholic too, so it was real easy for him to just draw me back in. But, um, you know, long-term sobriety, like I'm, I'm done. No, it was, this is my, my first go. First time. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking in my, uh, prison group the other night about the difference between, uh, a dry drunk mm -hmm. and being sober. And I was arguing the point that, and this is. Paul's opinion, this is not, you know, gospel or, or definitions or anything, but to me, you could have a person who's on a, a one year dry drunk and starts drinking again and they didn't relapse. You can have a person who's 24 hours after they said, I'm done drinking and I'm sober 
and they relapse. And I think that that 24 hours is more of a relapse than the one year because that dry drunk, I don't think you were ever committed to the, the sobriety. So it was just, you went longer between grabbing that next drink or whatever it was. Well, I'm trying not to sound too sassy about this. No, you're going to sound sassy. Go for it. But I, I think as a non-alcoholic, that's probably easy for you to say. Um, it just, you know, I, I don't think you can question somebody's motives as to why they're not drinking. They can choose not to drink but not be in recovery because they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the value of it. They truly believe that, you know, not drinking is enough. Um, I'm not going to question somebody's sobriety based on what their plan of action looks like. Uh-huh. You know, they may be fighting internally the best that they know how to. Right. And, um, you know, quitting drinking is, is a feat in itself. Whether sure. you're attending meetings, you're not attending meetings, whatever you're doing, you know, white knuckling it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard place to be. Yeah. But you're still making progress. You're still not turning to that demon every time that you want relief. Um, so I would say a relapse is a relapse. You know, if you're, you're diligently trying not to drink, yeah. uh, whether you're recruiting the, the help from outside or inside or whatever that looks like for you, I, st- I think not drinking is not drinking, mm-hmm. progressing in, in healing in healthy ways is a whole different part of, of the story. Right. Right. So yeah. I can't, I can't determine if somebody you know, white knuckles it for a year and then drinks that that relapse isn't just as horrible as somebody who believes they're putting their heart and soul into 24 hours and then drinks again. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, 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 that when you're dry drunk, would you count it as being sober though? It depends on your definition of sobriety. I think sobriety to me is refraining from that subject that, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's very easy when you have a tangible issue to mm-hmm. say I'm sober, Yeah. you know, when you have something like codependency, you know, are you sober? Yeah. It, it just doesn't apply in my opinion. Right. So what sobriety for me is withholding of whatever substance that right. you normally turn to. Yeah. Um, but it has to be a substance. I don't think you can be sober from anger. I think you can refrain from your anger or your tendencies, but I think sobriety to me is a chemical dependency term. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and something like anger, <clears throat> emotional things are, are very tricky because very. anger is, is something that we all have. Right. And anger is not a sin. It's what we do in that anger that becomes the sin. And right. Bible clearly says in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't right. say you sin because, because you're, you're angry. Right. So that's something we're going to feel. So. <laughs> It, it, it does get a lot more mm-hmm. uh, muddy yeah. trying to, to put labels on, and which is why I always tell everybody, I'm not, I'm not the you know, chip police, I'm not the sobriety right. police. Whatever you're counting is what you're counting. Whatever you're doing is what you're doing. Right. And, and I, have, like, I have the ultimate respect for those that struggle with food, honestly. I think that's to got eat. to be one of yeah. the toughest battles because yeah, it's a necessity. That's like saying I'm gonna be sober from air. Like yeah. you, you just can't do it. No. You have to, and and so you know my heart goes out to to people that are in a situation of, you can have a little bit, 
you know, you can have this much. You got to have only this kind. Right. You know, it's like telling an alcoholic, you know, it's fine if you have beer once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. side note, I went on a tangent with that one, but that's yeah. where my heart was at. So. That's okay. That's what we do. Uh, so you had been in your addiction for years. God, I've been drinking since I was 11. And you were in your 30s, so 20 plus years of, of drinking. I didn't say what 30. <laughs> yep, I, I was 32 when I got sober. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, at what point did it or has it yet felt like an accomplishment? You know, I'm pretty emotional today, Paul, so for you to ask that question makes me want to punch you um, out of love. Because I don't, you know, there's moments where I really celebrate my recovery uh-huh. and say, you know what, Christina, you should be proud of yourself. You've done something good. But then there's other days that I just, it's, it's, it's a struggle daily Yeah. and it's hard to celebrate right. when you're constantly struggling. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and it's a different struggle, uh, I'm guessing, as time goes through. Because for me, the struggles that I face with my habits and hangups are different than when I first decided I was going to put those habits and hangups down. Right. So it's, it's not that maybe minute to minute for that same thing, but you can get somewhere. And then I think for me, what happens is I'll get sideswiped because I'm not as diligent as I was on day one sometimes. And so I don't see the warning signs coming cause I'm not, I'm just going along fat, dumb and happy now. And so it can come up and then it just has a tendency of crushing me now. I do the weeble thing and I wobble, but don't, don't fall, fall down. down. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a tricky thing, and and going through that many years, the ups and downs, and it's not. I mean, we don't get into any kind of addiction because our life was perfect. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. You, know, it, it it's a symptom of the problem, right? Yeah. And I think everybody's heard that drinking or drugging is just a symptom of the problem, but it. When you quit drinking, you know, I have so many other struggles underlying and, you know, I think that's why it's so hard for me sometimes to recognize that I've done anything good. It's like, I just got rid of one of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the problems have just vanished. It's not like, well, exactly. Um, they, and they, not only did they not vanish now there's less stuff covering them up. So absolutely. they shine brighter. You feel it a hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I have moments where, yeah, I just want to go drink. I do. I just want to not feel, um, my recovery has taught me thankfully that, you know, drinking is not the answer. If I do drink and I don't feel for the moment, you know, 20 other emotions, guilt, shame, all of those things are going to hit me 20 times as hard tomorrow. So it's drinking's not an option right any any longer it's not something that i can go oh okay am i going to go for a walk am i going to read a book or am i going to drink a beer like it's just not on the table so it's figuring out what other coping skills i have to to deal with the underlying issue and eventually hopefully in recovery you know get to the roots of those issues it's just you know i find i'm in counseling again for you know my my trauma that I've experienced in life. And, uh, she told me last week, you know, last week seemed like a real easy session, you know, skated through some stuff, 
no big deal. Second, second week of EMDR. And she's like, well, just know that you might have vivid dreams. You might have extreme highs and lows. You might have like all of these psychological responses to this easy peasy session. Mm -hmm. And so I woke up this morning and I'm like, all right, check that one off. Check that one off. Check that one off. And so I think just recovery gets overwhelming. So the fact that my coping mechanism, even, you know, being gone, there's still a struggle. Right. You're looking at the time, so it's got to no, be. No, no, no. I mean, we're, we're 20 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you're looking um, at the time, so we no, got to go. No, I was moving my, my uh, uh, window on my, on my computer. It's, um, recovery is, anybody who's having an easy time in recovery is either extremely blessed or they're not actually doing recovery. Right. <laughs> they, they're just doing something, something different. But um, it is a, it, a crazy, wonderful thing. Um, it is that we're in and and it it's rewarding and the hard work at the same time um i'm gonna uh, switch our gears here real quick and just take a a little musical break so we can uh, uh take a break from talking we're gonna play the song of the week this week this is a, a song by christian stanfield called glorious day and um i heard this song a few months back at um the uh, CR Summit and just love the way they did it and just watching the guy who sang the song the joy on his face I was like I want to feel that joy I want to sing that song more so I've been doing it I just introduced it in the prison this week and I thought well this would be a great time to put it on as a song of the week so this is Kristen Stanfill doing Glorious Day I was wondering if we were both going to come in at the same time again. I was giving you just a little half a second. I will only be sassy once a show. Just kidding. Wait a minute. Just kidding. Why would you do that to us? I wouldn't. Don't hold it back, girl. It's gotta be me. Give us the sass. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so this song, first of all, I love the little part. The that I love that. It just makes it so much fun. And when we did it in the prison, I've got just one guy on one acoustic guitar, so he's just holding the rhythm down, so we don't get that part. And they haven't heard the song, so it's interesting doing so- new songs in prison because I have to come in and bring it to him. I have to try to sing it to him. I have to try to tell him what's going on. And 
you know, then we just try to recreate it Ockefellin style. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we call ourselves Ockefellin or Hillsong Incarcerated. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyhow, uh, we did this song, and I love that, but we, we can't do that part in the prison. But, I mean, my favorite part, I think, for a lot of people, it's the same thing as that the joy of I ran out of the grave, you know, just that feeling of, of bursting through. And I see myself just bursting through like the paper when the football team comes running on the field and they're like, blam, and just like so exciting and all the possibility that's there, you know, when you first punch through and get out there, it's like the, the game hasn't started yet. There's, you know, no one's ahead, no one's behind, you know, like, you know, the first game of the season, anybody could win. You know, anybody could be the champion at this point. Last game of the season is a little bit, you know, more defined. And that's just the joy that I get in my recovery is just that that feeling of busting through and running out of that grave that I was in. She's got the eyebrows. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, I'm just, I'm thinking, it's good on the days that you don't feel all of that goodness that internally there's still that hardcore truth that you know about God that even when you're not all happy tingly like life is great like I'm not today obviously I think everyone can tell but um as I sit there and listen to you in your joyous happy explanation and I'm like you know I don't feel that right now Mm -hmm. I don't feel that but the beautiful thing is that I know you know feelings aren't aren't always accurate. You know, when you feel, Oh my God, I feel so great about God. It's just great. Like that's not sustainable for a person like me. Some people live there. Fantastic. For me, I don't. So on days like today, it's just nice that I can say, you know what, even though I don't feel all of that giddy, happy stuff, like the fact is, you know, Christ is my savior and that this did happen. And because of that, even my grumpiest days aren't as bad as they used to be. Yeah. And you said, you know, some people could, I don't know that anybody can maintain that. I think the ones who do are, it's the fake it till you make it and just wear the smile on your face. Have you met Tara at the lighthouse? I have. She just is constantly living in the joy of the Lord. I have, I would be surprised if that woman ever had a bad day because she's just so Filled with the spirit of God. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to be. It is. That is. Yeah. But she's who I think about because she's just a prime example of what freedom looks like every day. Yeah. Yeah. And the little clip that we give you, I'm not sure because I haven't grabbed the little 90 second clip that iTunes gives us, but I'm pretty sure they won't give us the bridge part, but it talks about that. So I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the way to your glory. God just, he's able to do that. And and you said um, that, you know, you need it when you're feeling that way. Or I don't know what the word you said, you qualified it. But I was thinking, no, especially when I'm down. You said it's nice to have it when I'm feeling it. It's nice to know mm-hmm. that, but especially when I'm feeling down. That's when I need those reassurances, those anchor points that just tell me that, that this is where it is. And we, again, we were talking in the prison today about faith. And for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else. Uh, yeah, I do want to, but I'm not, I'm going to try not to. But for me, faith is easy when things are good. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy not to worry about where my next meal is going to come from when I've just gone shopping. Right. You know, if you win the lottery, it's, it's, 
probably not going to spend a lot of time thinking, will I be able to pay the electric bill this month? You right. know, but when times are tough and I need God, that's when I have that faith. And, and sometimes it can be like, okay, nothing in the fridge. What's going to happen here? And I close it and I open it. Well, no fishes and loaves thing, but God still does the miracle. And if I could figure out how it wouldn't be a miracle, right. it'd be a pollicle. And I would go out doing those, you know, things. <laughs> I adore you. I was going to say. More than you ever know. I was going to say, Christine is so happy she's got a puppy dog like me. <laughs> he's, he's this so is fun. why we totally need so a video podcast because the looks that I am able to evoke in Christina are just absolutely wonderful. And I, here's the problem. I will chase that now. That is my drug. And so, like, when I'm feeling that you're not feeling it, I'm just a puppy dog. Like, come on, mommy, let's play. Let's play. Let's play. And I'll I'll go to the other side and I'll wag my tail and I'll throw a ball. And uh, I was, I'm I'm so codependent and, and needing people to feel good and needing to be the one that makes them feel good. When I was working at Starbucks, uh, I would intentionally fall over to break the tension if people were not having a good time. I would just fall down to make them laugh because I just needed that that joy, that that puppy dog stuff. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Turn, turn the little tables Uh-oh, on you. Spin-a-roo. So being that codependency is not a tangible yeah, thing, right. what does quote-unquote sobriety look like to you? Because I've always struggled with, you know, I'm in recovery for codependency. So what does relapse look for you? Look like for you? What does sobriety look like for you? What is that? How do you, I, I look at uh, for, for me personally for codependency, I don't have a good definition of sobriety. Um, because, um, I, I don't know how to measure um, my intention, I guess. I mean, it's, it's, it's easier to say, okay, I'm smoking this crack pipe for my friend. No, you're just smoking a crack pipe. But when I do something like, well, I really want to, uh, bring lunch to my friend. Okay. Well, do I want to bring lunch to my friend? Cause that's just a nice thing to do. And people do that. Or am I doing it because I need them to say how wonderful I am and get validated. And sometimes I'm not sure why I'm doing those things. Sometimes I'm not sure. I do know sometimes that I am. I mean, like the other day, last week, I had a meeting with my friend Heather, who was on, like, I think show seven or something like that. I didn't, I intentionally didn't wear a purple shirt as a stepping out on my recovery. Normally... On days when I know I'm going to see Heather, I will wear a purple shirt because purple's her favorite color. And I just set the tone and be like, okay, well, she, she won't notice it, but okay, that'll be good. And, she, and I intentionally, and she didn't say anything about me not wearing a purple shirt, but I knew in my head, I didn't just to prove to myself that I was good enough, valuable enough to have the meeting. And the meeting went exactly like any other meeting I've done in a purple shirt with her. It, there was, there's no discernible difference other than the fact that I knew that I wasn't, um, so I'm not sure. And because codependency is just this big catch-all term, it's really nebulous to try to, 
define exactly what it is in my life. And I didn't even know that I was for a long time. And now I can't imagine that I didn't realize it. I think it was just that hardcore denial that I was living in. And it was far easier for me to quit pornography than it was for me to quit people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you must've been in my brain just now because I was just thinking that it's easier to abstain from those things that are, are tangible. Obviously viewing pornography is not something you touch, but it's an action that you abstain from. It's, mm-hmm. you can draw a hard line on those things. And that's always been like, I think a, a factor in, you know, I call them drunks and druggies. You know, when we talk recovery, it's it's a very tangible thing for us. You know, this is my sobriety date. I can draw a firm line in the sand mm-hmm. and say, or, you know, in whatever, right. and say, this is it. And so being on the other side of recovery and go, okay, well, I'm working on this or I'm working on this. Those things that are not so tangible, it, it just muddies the water in my noggin because yeah. I'm like, you know, what does recovery look like? What is, what does relapse look like? You know, because I've never met a codependent that has taken another chip for relapse. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things that has always baffled my brain. Yeah. Um, oh, I lost it. Oh, you were, you, you mentioned drunks and druggies mm-hmm. and, um, you've mentioned in the past that you use alcohol, but you also use drugs. Mm-hmm. This um, birth date here is you mentioned for the alcohol. Uh-huh. When did the drugs stop? How was that the same or different? I quit doing. Well, I was. Hmm. Well, last time I did math was a little over seventeen years ago, and so uh, it was just one of those things that obviously. It's an illegal substance. It's something that, you know, you can't functionally be a meth head, in my opinion. Um, a lot more difficult. A lot more <laughs> difficult. I know people that try, mm-hmm. but boy, they fail. Um, and and so for me, it was it was it was easy to make that determination because it's not socially acceptable. It's not something you can go pick up at the grocery store. It's not something that, Hey, you know, we're all going to hang out Friday night. You want to come over and do some meth? Yeah. You know, that's not something you hear, but Hey, do you want to come over and have some beers or, you know, you see booze everywhere. Um, you see moms, Hey, I'm just going to kick off a glass of wine tonight. You know, it's been a rough day. I know it's noon, but yeah, I was listening to a soccer podcast today and they were talking about it. That, that city and they said oh that city sucks I've been there a couple times and it sucks and someone said no I went there and the third time I finally had a local show me and it's got great stuff to do great restaurants great bars yeah absolutely and it's like okay that's what you're doing in this city and this is a, a major city with some cool stuff that not living there I know stuff to do there mm-hmm. and these people that was what made it cool or not cool was oh, I couldn't find a cool bar absolutely to drink at. And, and it's Booze is the center of so many gatherings. Yes. Um, you know, eggnog on Christmas. Um, you know, it just, it's attached to everything. And so it's hard to, it's hard to get away from something that's so socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, when it's not, you know, socially acceptable, it's a little easier to go, oh, okay, this is bad for me. Okay. Like, you know, I know I should not be smoking a crack pipe because 
well, you know, it's not good for me. But booze, there's such a, a blurred line in society mm-hmm. that, you know, you kind of feel like if you can't control it, there's something wrong with you. And so I'm just going to try and blend in. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, too. You know, people don't really celebrate like, wow, that guy, he can really put down a lot of meth. Right. And you'll see people. I was watching a, a documentary on Andre the Giant. They were talking about how much alcohol he consumed on a daily basis. And they were bragging. Yeah. About how cool this was. Absolutely. You know, and it, it made him the man. Right. Uh, so, and, and that's not always the case with a lot of the stuff. Like, right. Like, you know drugs or, or, or gambling or, or whatever. It's not the celebrated thing, but sometimes it, it makes you, you know, more of an aura of cool mm-hmm. with, with the alcohol. So, Oh, it started when I was young. I was 12, 13, maybe, and able to shotgun a beer. So it was, dude, check out my little cousin. Yeah. You know, she's, look at her. She can already shotgun a beer. And so that was like, it just instilled in me. Like, yeah. look, this is how cool you Validation. are. And, um, you know, that just continues. Your your value is in being the little drunk girl. Right. Then it just, it sustains. Yeah. So seven years, obviously you, you didn't celebrate with a beer or something like that. You're planning on getting to eight. I, I plan on getting sober throughout today. What's that's my plan. What, 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 what is the, you know, the allure of, of the addiction is that it buries the pain. And so we we're, we're trying to encourage people to take stuff off and go ahead and feel some pain. What's the allure to stay sober? For me personally, I know what damage I did to my kids when I drank I know how destructive it was to myself and those around me. You know, there's a lot of things that I did that I would never, you know, soberly decide to do mm-hmm. that were emotionally, spiritually, and physically damaging to me. And, um, you know, I just don't want to hurt myself or my family anymore. And I know that by drinking, it would be very harmful to those around me and to myself. Yeah. I, I you know, I've been running in recovery circles for not quite 20 years yet. Uh, but the last year I've spent a lot of time. Maybe you should start walking. Hey, have you seen me? You know, I'm a little hyper. Uh, but the last year and a half, I've been doing it in, uh, the prisons mm-hmm. and to see. Has it been that long already? It has. Wow. It has. A Incredible. Year a yeah. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but to see those, the lives that are changing mm-hmm. behind those bars in those meetings and it's kind of funny behind the bars. Yep. I was like, uh, not in the bars, behind yeah. the bars. Uh, it just, it, I get so much hope from them. Yeah. Seeing people who have a lot more reason to feel hopeless Yep. because they've lost a lot more than just a little bit of credibility or a job or, or whatever they, you know, they've given up one guy today. I was, he was in my, my CR group this morning and he's on 20 out of 24 years of his sentence. He's been behind, you know, those chain link fences with the razor wire. And, and I said, when did you get it? And he said, about seven years ago, Yeah. spent 13 years inside before he got it, but seeing what it takes 
to get people there makes me so incredibly happy when I see people on the streets that can get there without having to get that far. Right. Um, but I, it just reinforces my, my deep, deep understanding, knowledge, and belief that God can reach anybody anywhere and do amazing, exceedingly wonderful things in people's lives, even though we've done everything in our power mm-hmm. to just mess it up. Right. And um, that's just an awesome thing. Absolutely. And I think that that hope, I found that in AA recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I love listening to the old timers that are in AA talk about, you know, why they're sober, how they got sober, you know, why they continue their sobriety, um, you know, encouraging the people that, you know, they think are newcomers. I've only been to AA, you know, 10 times maybe this year. And, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody in there knows how long I've been sober at all. Yeah. And, um, so when they're talking and they're looking at you, they're looking around the room, you know, there's just such wisdom in that. And, and I find that incredibly hopeful that, you know, those people that are in there 20, 25, 30 years are still coming in there. You know, I've learned to shut up and just listen to the wisdom that, that comes out and being able to hear. I think that's one of the important things about recovery is being able to connect with those people that have walked before you. And, um, you know, the culture of different CRs are different. You know, we don't have quite as many substance issues in ours as my previous. And so for me, stepping out and hearing the hope from those people that have been there has truly been a saving grace this year. Yeah. Um, Normally I don't take an AA chip because I don't go to AA, but as soon as I can find a sitter, I'm going to go get my AA chip and then I'm going to take my CR chip as soon as my ministry leader gets it. Um, but yeah, I mean, recovery, I think is important. You have to, you have to sit there and, and find that hope first. Obviously it's found in Christ, but then, you know, like you share in the prisons, you get to go in there and tell them that it's possible. You get to be that example and say, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I haven't walked your journey. They think I'm a winner, but well, you are no, but I mean, most people don't look at me and say, Oh, winner. You know, that's not, that's not what I hear from everybody. And these guys are like, I want to do what you're doing. I want to be like you. I want my life to be where you've gotten your life. And I'm like, okay, I need to be happy and and pleased with where I've got my life because these guys are looking to me as, as an example of how to be successful in Christ. And it's, yeah, it's overwhelming. It's uh, incredibly, um, I, I'm, I'm unabashedly proud of it. Uh, because it's, I can see the good that it does. Right. And, and, um, and I'm just so thankful that, that God's put me there and, and Bev joined me this last week. I, I my wife has joined me. So we're doing ministry in prison together. And that's, that's just awesome. Well, I'm super duper glad that you have done this. And, and I thank you for you know being open on the show. I mean, we've, we're always open on the show, but Thanks for being willing to just be our guinea pig for this because I think it's important. And this show wouldn't be, nobody would be listening to this show if it weren't for recovery in both of our right. lives. We wouldn't Absolutely. have met each other. Right. We wouldn't be where we are. We'd be, I'd be locked up. You'd be dead, something. Probably. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, um, 
it's not an important thing. It's, it's the most important thing. It's, you know, Christ has brought us where we are mm-hmm. through recovery. And Absolutely. It's, it's just, I'm so very thankful. Thank you for seven years. Uh, if people want to send you a seven year way to go email, where would they send that? Biker chick at messituppodcast.com. And for me, it's a uh, bow tie guy at messituppodcast.com. Intern Dave is info at messituppodcast.com. We are so thankful that you've decided to listen to us. Appreciate you being here. And I just want to add one more thing. You can email Starbucks gift cards. You can. Yes, you can. You can email those Starbucks gift cards to, what was it again? Bikertick at mustedoutpodcast.com. Yeah, and she will gladly accept those uh, those birthday wishes and gifts. So uh, thanks so much for being here with us. We will see you next time we mess it up. That's right. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Hey.